Welcome to the Gotham Sports Report Podcast on 89.1 FM WNYU. Here are your hosts, Jack Dweck, Joe Kurtz, and Morris Zarif. Hello and welcome into the Gotham Sports Report. I am Mars Zarif alongside Joe Kurtz. Again, we're jackless as Jack is uh, under the weather with some strep right now. We wish him the best, but we're going to try to replicate what we did a couple of weeks ago without him. You know, it's becoming a theme as of late, Jack, missing it. You know, he's under the weather, like you said, so we wish him the best, but we hope this doesn't continue into the future because it was just last week we gave him slack missing some time and he said he only missed one and never will miss again and yet here we are the next week and he's just not here yeah it's not a good look jack it's definitely not a good look it's not a good look it's not a good look but we're going to start with his favorite one of his favorite teams again the new york mets and they're a new owner that's come under fire so after a game last week against the san francisco giants steve cohen sends out a tweet that says quote unquote it's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive. The best teams have a more disciplined, um, disciplined approach. So, Joe, what, what were your initial thoughts about the quote? And do you have issue with Steve Cohen saying it? Yeah, so right away, I remember I saw it right away. I sent it to you guys because I've honestly never seen this before from any owner or any just director of a team, any leader of a team to really just go out and call out your players, especially in the first year of owning a team. Like if it came from a former hitter, that's one thing, a former player who had success in the majors and knew about failure for them to call out someone for being unproductive, then they have some, you know, ground to stand on. But for a new owner in town, who's really right about what he says, it's ridiculous how the Mets have been so unproductive because they are good hitters it's wrong for him to go out on Twitter to actually tweet about this. This is not how you motivate your team. If anything, this gets, this turns them against you. I, I feel like the whole off season at first, Steve Cohen came into town as some sort of hero taking over from the Will Ponds and Mets fans, like no matter what he could do, there was no way they turn against him. And then you have that whole GameStop scandal and you have just everything around the team and his, his ridiculous tweets. This doesn't help his case. I, I just feel like as the season's gone on, he's, he's been growing more and more as the villain. And I know they've had tough matchups over the week, but it clearly didn't motivate them because they just keep on losing. They won one game, two ga- I think it was two games this week, one against the Giants, one against the Dodgers. Those are tough teams, but, you know, his tweets aren't motivating them. And that's just, it's just, in my opinion, a little bit ridiculous for an owner to, to tweet such a thing about their, his own professional team. I disagree. I totally disagree. I don't have a problem with him going at his team. I just want you to think about it this way. This is the way he would go at his workers in a hedge fund. This is the way any employer would go at their employees in order to get them to work harder, to get to perform better. The Mets clearly aren't performing right now. They're not performing. And obviously, whatever is being done in the clubhouse, it's not working. It's, it's not working. Guys are not hitting well. And really only Pete Alonso is the guy that's hitting well on, on this roster right now. But he's going at it in a different way and trying to light a fire under the team. It's something that, on, that resembles a little bit with George Steinbrenner back in the day. 
Starmer used to go to the to the media and really admonish the players when they weren't wouldn't be performing. He would always call out his players. And right now, I have no problem with Steve Cohen doing it, especially with the way his employees, quote unquote, have been performing because they are just horrific lately at the plate. Listen, listen, I have no doubt that if George Steinbrenner was alive during the whole Twitter era, I mean, Steve Cohen's really the only owner that I see active on Twitter, but I have no doubt that if George Steinbrenner... Major League Baseball owner. Major League Baseball owner. Yeah, I I have no doubt that if if he were alive during this era, he would go onto Twitter to bless the Yankees during the beginning of the season. But I just take problem with it when, when it's Steve Cohen because it just seems like the whole season we've been complaining and complaining about his ridiculous tweets, him going out there. Um... Let me just let me just put together what happened this offseason with him. So he bought the team. He hired a, the uh, a president of baseball ops, Sandy Alderson. He had he had um, I'm forgetting their GM's name. That Jared Porter. Jared and Porter. Jared I should forget his name because no one should remember his name. But good. He had to fire him. Um, he chose to sign McCann. Hasn't been producing. He chose to to trade for Baez. Wasn't a good move. He chose to give Lindor $400 million, not a good move. He fired his hitting coach midseason, complaining about his players, not a good move. A player that, uh, a coach that we said that the players loved, even though the Mets weren't really producing, you fired your hitting coach midseason. Um, how you, you don't understand when your team's being unproductive. Look at these moves you're making. You're, you're changing the roster uh, significantly, especially with the coaching. You have also in place a minor league manager, let's call him that. He's really not. He's really not a leader of men. He's Luis Rojas is everything you complain about. Aaron Boone just on the other side of town. I I just don't see it being his place to go out and bless his players on Twitter. I think there's there's better ways to handle this. And I know George Steinbrenner would have done this, but George Steinbrenner has five five titles in 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 like ten years to back up him going at his players. Steve Cohen, you said he would do this to his hedge fund, but this is a completely different thing. He has credibility in his hedge fund. Here he's been he's been in town for like ten minutes. But he's still the one that's call- he's a he's the one that's calling the shots at the end of the day, and yes, obviously his shots haven't been great, but he's the one that owns the right to go at his employers, employees. Excuse me, he owns the right to do that by but, buying but- the team, by purchasing the team. He owns the right to go at his uh, employees, and I have zero problem with it because they aren't performing. They aren't performing. That's not an argument. But I have no issue with the way he's going at his players. James McCann, his last 15 games, batting 180. Last 30 How games. is his tweet going to change anything? How is it motivating? It's a different him? way. Like I mentioned earlier, maybe they were doing things in, in, in-house. Maybe they were trying to fig, fig, figure out things in-house. We don't know. We don't know what they were doing in the clubhouse. But if this is going to light a fire under the team, which usually public humiliation, humiliation does – had no issue with it whatsoever. But does, but does it get them on his side? Like public humiliation just turns the players against you. It's not really motivating. I feel like the way you get motivated is when you're like, for instance, your manager, you're, in, you're losing another game. Your manager goes out there, lights a fire by getting ejected, yelling at the umpire over a close call. Even though you're losing, that lights a fire. Like, yeah, we have someone on our side. Here, we, we clearly see that Steve Cohen's not on their side. He's saying that they're all struggling. It's true, but he just just saying it in that public type of forum is just a little bit ridiculous to me. I, I just, I have to disagree. I just, 
in the fa- I get where you're coming from that it's public humiliation and might get them on the not on their side, but clearly whatever they've been doing beforehand hasn't been working. So I'm very ready to try something new in order to light, like I keep saying, light a fire under the seam. And their offense needs that fire at the end of the day. So so let's see how how they've been performing since he fired at that tweet. They won their last game in, in Los Angeles, Strowman on the mound, great performance. They won 7-2. And then before that, they lost their last three games, I believe. What day did he tweet it out, Wednesday or, or Tuesday? Tuesday, I believe. Okay, Tuesday. so so they're two they're two and three in, in their last five games since he tweeted that out. I guess no, no, they lost two and four, two and four, two, two and four, four, but they've been averaging eight, nine, 11, 14, 21, 21. They've been averaging three and a half runs. I can't even say that's good. It's better than that what they've been averaging all season, but they've been averaging three and a half runs over the that span. Yeah, but you, you see in that in that time they have one two run game, they have one one run game, they have another two run game, another three run game. That's not going to help. You're not going to beat the top two teams in baseball with those type of games. So I, I can't say that we see anything actually changing out of this. And now you're going into another three game set with San Francisco at home, um, and. Just throw in the fact that the Atlanta Braves have not lost until tonight, their last nine games. Um, you're six and a half games back, and you're playing three more games against the best team in baseball. Um, it's not looking pretty for the Mets, and I, I just don't think that Steve Cohen's way of handling it was the best way for them to get better. And I, I'm kind of nervous going down. I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say they're officially out, but it's as close as you get to being officially out without being officially out. Look. The schedule is going to start turning around for them as they, after the San Francisco series, they play eight again in their next, in their next 14 games, they have eight against Washington and six against Miami. Yeah, so every could, single game. They can realistically go 10 and four, 11 and three and turn their season around. And, 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 you, have, and you have the John and you have the Braves playing the Giants and the Dodgers. That's six straight games for them. So it's, it's perfect time for them to turn it around. Yeah. So I'm, as so maybe that fire will be lit a little bit later, but I do think that they could turn it around a little bit and start to hit a little bit more against weaker competition. Like you saw the Braves just went nine and zero against the Marlins, the Nationals, and the Orioles. So it just happened to be that the Braves went through their easiest stretch while the Mets went through their hardest stretch of the season. And now yeah. it's gonna be vice versa. And so hopefully they could train uh turn their Hopes around, but but even what scares me is the fact that when the Mets went through their turn with the Marlins, they only won they they only won one out of four. They got swept by the Phillies. Um, they t- they did they took care of business in Washington, but you know they, they didn't take care of their business overall. Before that, they they lost two out of three against Cincinnati. So even when they got, I know Cincinnati is a playoff team now, but even when the Mets got their turn against the bottom barrel of the teams, they didn't take care of business. And I'm scared if they would actually take care of business now because now it's must win. Your owner called you out. You have to step up to the plate. You have no time to turn it around because the Braves are rolling. They lost tonight, finally, the first time in the last, night, in the last 10 games. Um, and your season's on the line now, so you better step up. Well, they're going to have a chance to do that tomorrow night, 7 o'clock p.m. against the San Francisco 49ers as they have Tyler McGill coming on the, round, on the mound and then just, followed I by I just Tyler. want you to know, you just said San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco Giants, excuse me. I'm getting into the football mojo. And um, they have Taiwan Walker on Wednesday. So we'll see what they can do. But now we're in drops. I would drop that all day long. 
It's a great I will not. I will not let you forget this. <sighs> We're recording right now at 11 o'clock p.m. Monday night. I deserve a little bit of slack right now, but we're going to go on to the cross-down rivals. The New York Yankees are trying to help out the New York Mets right now by beating – they did defeat the Atlanta Braves 5-1 to tonight, and they're on a 10-game winning streak, sweeping the Twins three games, sweeping the Red Sox three games, beating the Angels, taking two of three from the White Sox, and now taking the first against the Atlanta Braves. They've just been a hot team with a different mojo – and different guys contributing every single night. And I just want to hone in on one story. And this is a great story that I think everybody should know about. Andrew Velasquez, when he was in first grade, he played on Yankee Stadium field, and he, he went to the shortstop, and he said, I'm going to be playing here when I grow up. His mother comes up to him after. He's, she's like, you better have a ba- – you're going to have a backup plan or – what do you want to do when you grow up? He's like, I'm going to be shortstop for the New York Yankees. And she's like, you, you don't want to have a backup plan? He's like, no. And here, soon enough, Saturday afternoon against the Minnesota Twins, he rips a first pitch curveball into the right field seats against the Minnesota Twins. And his family is jumping for joy. And he gets his first career home run in Yankee Stadium. The Bronx kid does it again. There's no better storyline than this. I wanted to look on the internet for like, I wanted to make like a t-shirt. I don't know if it was already made because I'm sure like Barcelona was already on it since they had the Italian stallions. I want a picture of Velasquez on a shirt and just to say, just the kid from the Bronx. Like how cool would that be? It'd be cool, but I have to, this is what I was about to get into. He's going to be sent down. Oh, 100%. 100%. As, as much as we hate to say it, he's going to be sent down. I, I 100% know he's going to get sent down once Glaber's back and Rochelle's back. And it's going to be tough for the fans. And, and whenever those two come back from the IL and they start to struggle right, right away because, you know, it takes time to adjust back to Major League Baseball. And everyone's going to be calling for Boone's job because Velasquez isn't there. I know I know we're going to have to slow it down. And I just think this is just a, such a cool storyline. And it's a way of motivating the players right now because, like we said, we always need that type of spark for the Yankees. They seem to feed off of that in the last couple of years. And Andrew Velasquez, or Squid as they call him, has been providing that for the Yankees. He had a double tonight. He had a triple the other day. He had a homer. He's, he's basically hitting everything. He's playing phenomenal defense. And you failed to mention that the game-ending play against – who it was at Boston, right? Yeah, it was Boston. Yes. Wednesday he, night against Boston. Yeah, against Boston, Kevin Puecki was up at the plate with a chance to score run in the ninth. Uh, he hits a ground ball past Odor, diving at third. Velasquez dives in the hole. Can't see the ball because Odor dove in front of him, makes a tremendous scoop, throws it to Rizzo, who makes a great scoop himself, and the Yankees win the game. That, that just shows, like, you know, how much energy this guy's bringing to the team. And, and it's going to be tough when he's going to get sent down. And you're 100% right. He's going to. And I think it's a fate of complete, and he knows it too. But while he's here, he's making the most of it. And the, the whole time, I'm just thinking, like, he has to just play well enough to get another job with another team. Because, sadly enough, I don't think his future is going to be here, but... Just for now, wow, what a storyline. It's a great storyline. It's guys like him. It's guys like Tyler Wade. It's guys like the player of the week, Luke Voigt, continuing to perform when being asked to. And, and, you know, I have to I have to throw out an apology, too, because ever since I went on my Giancarlo Stanton rant, ever since I bashed him, this guy's been unstoppable. He's been hitting homers after homer, doubles after doubles, hitting the ball, barreling it every single night. 
I have to apologize to him, but I'm not going to take a full apology because what I said is still true. This guy is the most streaky player in baseball. Right now, we're just seeing him when he's hot because when he's hot, he's a top five hitter in baseball because when he's hot, he's hitting homers after homers, 450 feet and whatnot. But when he's cold, the guy is unwatchable, the worst player in baseball. And I think I just caught him at the turning point of his cycle. So I'm not going to fully apologize to him, but I'll apologize for the time being because this guy's been really leading the Yankees towards the last in the last 10 games and he's been really helping him out yeah he definitely has he's been coming up with big hit after big hit tonight he had a solo home run in the second inning and then in the fifth off the inning, end of the bat i don't i don't think any other player in baseball could hit that home run. it just shows his strength and it's showing how really how talented he is because he's really that talented and by the way since you made those comments he's batting 400 in his last seven games with Three home runs, eight RBIs. So, and he's has a OB, and he has a sl- OPS of one point four five. Yeah, but get ready for him to go back into being cold. Okay, and look, hitting zero hundred. I'll and- take the week. I'll take the week. Him and Luke Voigt had conquered the week. Luke Voigt, like Luke I Voigt, mentioned, yeah, motivated off of his benching. I'll talk about it. Not benching. We'll speak about it. But whatever. Luke it was. Voigt made comments on, I believe, Tuesday. He had a great doubleheader against the Red Sox, and he was asked about. Anthony Rizzo coming back and what what the plan was for him. So Roy plain and simply said, he said, he said, I don't want to be sent down and that he should be able to play with Rizzo. We should be able to play and shouldn't be uh, benched for Rizzo in favor of Rizzo. Joe, do you have any problems with those comments or no? With the comments itself, no, because I love to see the fire out of one of my players. And I, I think what he said was exactly right. He said, I was a top 10 finisher for MVP last year, granted a short season, but I have that resume. I led the league in homers. I have the ability to be a top player in this offense, in this dynamic offense, and I will provide a spark. And he's been showing that. I might have a little bit of a problem with the way he addressed it because I don't know that he, obviously I'm not in the clubhouse to know that he went directly to Boone, but if he said those same things to Boone in private, it might've been a little better of a forum for him. But I have absolutely no problem with the words he said because he's right. He should be granted a playing time. And as much as I'm thankful that Stanton's been hot lately, the guy's cyclical and he should be able to play in the outfield. And we shouldn't have to have Brett Garner in the lineup every single day when we have a guy like Luke Voigt perfectly able to play. So I have no problem with the words. I really don't. So look at, listen to the stat. Since John Carlos started playing outfield somewhat regularly, He's batting 300. He's batting over 300. He's raised his average by 20 points. He's been a more consistent player, which is really something to say. Boy, the only issue I have with those comments, don't call out your teammate. Don't call out Anthony Rizzo. I don't want you yeah, going yeah. on the that, that's, that's an issue. That's definitely an issue. Don't call out Rizzo because Rizzo is doing a lot for this team. He's a great defender, game-changing defender. But Boy did back up his talk this week. Batting 476 in the past seven games with two homers, 11 RBIs. And he did play a decent first base, but obviously nothing compared to Rizzo. And the storyline with these Yankees, though, is that they keep overcoming certain aspects of the game. And now they're finally getting, beginning to get more and more healthy as they did get Anthony Rizzo and Gary Sanchez back this week, as they plan on getting Gio Urshela back this week. What's your expectations for them now that they're heading into the playoffs? First, we got to lock off this. We have to lock up a playoff spot because 
you know, they've been playing really well as of late, but how many games are they up right now? They're up two and a half games. Three games on the on the Oakland A's who are a half a game out of Boston from the second wild card. So we still have a ton of time to play. We still have a lot to do, and we have to make sure that when we go into Oakland later this week, we take care of business. With that being said, if they continue to roll like this, I really think they're the best team in the AL. I really think they are the best team in the AL. I think they've been able to prove that they are a better team than the White Sox. And, you know, the Rays have the best record in the AL, but are you really going to tell me that the Yankees don't have more star power than them? Are you really going to tell me that? And I know it doesn't mean anything, but are you really going to tell me that in a five or seven game series, whenever they're able to cast them, if they do, that the Yankees don't stand a really good chance? I know we say this every year, but like... I was about to say, we say this every year. That the Yankees have better players, better on paper, and they should be able to beat the Tampa Bay Rays in a five or seven game series. But you know what happens every single year? The Yankees end up losing because the Rays, different arms that they're able they're to... They're smarter than the Yankees. I hear that. I hear smarter that. Smarter than the Yankees. Out, they outmanage the Yankees, and, which is a big aspect in this uh, series. But one thing I'll say... The Yankees never had the lefty bats that they have uh, now. Yes, exactly. The Yankees, the, the change of pace with Rizzo and Gallo in the lineups, even though Gallo hasn't performed up to a par, but he's been giving good at bat after good at bat. And Rizzo, they're both just changing, guys that are changing in pace. And they're also guys that make plays in the field, besides the fact that they're hitters. They're guys that are playing impeccable in the field. So it's just a change of pace that the Yankees never had. They had Aaron Hicks, who is a he's an okay center fielder, but he can't hit, and he works he, he works three two counts at bat after at bat, and they never had a really a lefty another lefty in the lineup since Didi. So it's a great change of pace in the lineup. Listen, if if the Rays lined up against the Yankees in the playoffs right now, I put the Rays as the favorite because. Right now, they are the better team. And even when the Yankees have been winning 10 straight, you know, the Rays are 7-3 and three in their last 10. So the Yankees barely gained any ground on them because, you know, they are a very good team. But I do think that this new Yankee team is, is sort of refreshing because, like you said, they never had this lefty power in the lineup before. Last year in the playoffs, what the Rays did very successfully against the Yankees was throw a bunch of righty relievers against them that had – Fairbanks, Castillo is not on the raise anymore. Nick Anderson is after the year, but just these three guys who are like the like the headless horsemen. They just threw fastballs after fastballs at the Yankees. Um, and after their righties, it was tough for them to catch up, catch up with it. But now they have a bunch of lefties in the line able to balance it out. I don't think the Rays have that sort of advantage, but still very much so getting ahead of ourselves because the Yankees are only a wild card team as of now, and they still have significant ground to gain on the Rays. Um Aside from that, we also have to look at Houston because Houston also has been really good this year. Um, I'm, I would be scared with the Yankees' chances in Houston too. So we're really yeah, definitely getting ahead of ourselves. Yankees have always been scared, bad against Houston in the playoffs. Bad memories with Jose Altuve hitting that home run and not winning a game in the Astrodome in 2017. But the Yankees did go four and two against them in during the regular season. But I want to move on to. The New York Jets. The New York Jets went two and fourteen last season. They were they were they were given the number two pick. I wouldn't say awarded. They were given the number two pick, and they drafted Zach Wilson from BYU. 
Nobody thought much of it. Yeah, he could be a good, great quarterback. Well, the Jets had joint practices with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers this week. And Rodgers, after watching this week, he was asked about it during one of his press conferences. And this is what he said to uh, Yahoo Sports. He's a very good, he's a good young kid, has a nice disposition. That kid can throw the heck out of the ball. And that was a nice one down the right sideline at the end of the first. I'm so excited for what he could do in this league. And what he did against the Packers on Saturday, it was just go 9 of 11 for 128 yards and two touchdowns in the Saturday win against the Packers. And after I didn't watch preseason football. I don't take much from it. I just want to see how comfortable the players look. And after watching the quarter and a half that Wilson played, he looked poised. He looked comfortable. And, yes, it's against second stringers against the Packers, and you want to see him against first stringers. But he looked poised. He looked comfortable. And he had a chemistry. That's also something else you're looking for. He had chemistry with his um, receivers. And you just see it that – he looks poised. He doesn't look like the moment's getting to him. And that's really all you're looking for in a quarterback in a, pre, in a preseason game. What were his stats in this game? Nine for 11, 128 yards and two touchdowns. His wow. longest pass was 27 yards. Wow. That, that's a good game. That, that's what you want to see out of, out of your, your future quarterback. That's exactly what you want. You know, nine for 11. I, I wouldn't. That's. Well, I wouldn't say it's – I'm not looking at stats. No, but just – you, you watched it. You said you watched it. You saw him look poised and comfortable. And, and poised. That's that, all I said, yeah. Yeah, and the, but the stats back that up tremendously. I know it's against second stringers, but it still takes time for quarterbacks to adjust. I, I watched the, the parts of the Bears game, and I, and I saw Justin Fields get lit up because he missed, he missed his own read on, on a defender and just completely get – just blown up. His helmet flew off. Um if you're saying that Zach Wilson looked poised and comfortable in the pocket, that that's tremendous to see, especially in, in the second game. So just looking forward, that's obviously a good sign for the Jets because they haven't had a really good QB in years. Um, and, and we just hope that Zach Wilson is the future. And, and getting praise from Aaron Rodgers, big MVP last year, one of the best quarterbacks, especially in terms of athleticism of all time, that's just tremendous to hear. It's, it's really good news for the Jets. I'm look, I'm not taking much from it. I think he faced off against second stringers. Yes, he looked. I, I'm saying this. You're only looking to the only thing I'm saying, he looked very poised, which is very good. But I just want to see him in a couple of regular season games against first stringers where the speed happens to go be faster. And I want to see him perform. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not saying that I think this means much because. Because obviously it's just preseasons, and I'm sure Sam Darnold had success in preseason, and, and they were all loading in. But I was a big fan of the Jets taking Zach Wilson at two long before ever ever since their first loss. It was long before he was the consideration. It was confused at that time, and I always thought he had that playmaking ability that the Jets would benefit off more than I thought Justin Fields did. So it's just good to see that he's comfortable in the pocket. It's a good sign. I do think once the regular season starts, it's going to be worse because, you know, you're, you're the Jets. You're still wow. a terrible team. And they're, go- they're going to have to do this without defensive end Carl Lawson, who tours. Yeah, Achilles. and that too. That's, that's just big. And also, I, I, I heard Mekhi Becton has been really struggling in preseason. Did you- I haven't seen much of him. I can't tell you whether he's struggling or not, but I could speak on. They also lost Jared Davis, 
the linebacker. So both these guys, both Carl Lawson and Jared Davis, were both guys that were brought in to attack the quarterback, which is to get to the quarterback, which is something the Jets have not had in years. And they needed these two guys to help attack, get to the quarterback. And both now, both their pass rushers are now gone for extended Lawson for the season and Davis for an extended period of time. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they replace those both Lawson and Davis. They, they were, yeah, that's huge. And they were saying that Makai Becton reportedly came into camp in not the best shape and the Jets weren't happy with his, with his conditioning. And also they're also saying that perhaps his struggles could be attributed to Carl Lawson, just playing out of his mind in training camp and practice and preseason. So it's certainly a tremendous loss for the Jets losing him for the entire season because he was their big, one of their big offseason signings and someone who had success in the past. So that, that's just the, ter- that's just terrible news for the Jets. So Joe, from my understanding, you have a fun fact for this week, prepared for this week. I have a fun facts. I have two facts for you. I'm going to, I'm going to throw them out as questions and, and let's see if you could, you could stay with me. So the first one, I had to do in honor of John Carlos Stanton because I bashed him publicly and he's been playing lights out. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a question. I'll see if you could let's see if you could stay with me. It's gonna be a little difficult, the naming part, but let's see what you got. So gotcha. since 2015, John Carlos Stanton has hit the ball, has hit has 21 hits of 119 miles per hour in baseball. 100 mile, 119 miles per hour. All other players in baseball combined have how many? You said 21 hits above yeah. all. Yeah, 21. How many do all of the players in baseball have combined? I think the number is eight. Close, nine. Name me those players and how many they have. Okay, Judge has to have multiple. So I, I'll go Judge, two. Okay. Shohei Otani, I think, has one. Okay. That's three. Um. I got you got I gotta think for a second because wow, it's All a right, lot of a names. One. This is a tough it's one, but should, should I just give it to you? Give it to me. Give me the names. Okay, so you're right with the first two names. They both have it, but Judge has six of them, six oh, out wow. of the nine, and Otani has one of it. The the remaining two, the remaining two belong to Manny Machado and Nelson Cruz. Uh, Nelson Cruz was gonna be my other guess, but Manny Machado is an interesting one. So, so just looking, yeah, Manny Machado is definitely interesting. I didn't think he had it, but just looking at it, you see that crazy amount of strength the Yankees have in their lineup. I, I was surprised Gary wasn't even on the list. But moving forward to my second fun fact, the Yankees tonight against the Braves won their 10th straight game. When was the last time they won 10 games, and what's their franchise record for games, consecutive games won regular season? Last time they won 10 straight games, I would have to say 2018, the year they won 103 games. No, sorry, 2019. No, 2018. Actually, they won 20, uh, 10 straight games last year. I didn't no know way. But they did last year. Oh, yes, in the middle of the season, like in late August. I remember this. Yep. Right. Um, what's their franchise record? The franchise record's 16, I think. 19 games in 1947. That's, I think... The record is 22 by the Indians, so it's around... By the uh, Indians three years ago. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, so it's around third or fourth in baseball. Those are your fun facts with Joe. Hopefully the Yankees can break the Indians' record because that will be really cool for all of us 
in New York to see. Yeah, and that will definitely be a spectacle to see. And maybe the Orioles could win a game also. They've lost the losers of 18 straight. Have they not won since the Yankees lost them? They have not won since the, the cat. Remember the cat that ran, came on the field? That was 18 games ago for them? That was 18 games ago. That's ridiculous. They have not won since that moment. So, wow. Just, that's another fun fact for you. So, for Joe Kurtz, I am Mars Arif. You can catch the Gotham Sports Report every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And you can find us on anywhere you get your Apple po- on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And, Jack, we hope to see you back and ready next week. So long and have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Gotham Sports Report podcast. Tune in every Sunday at 4.30 on WNYU or catch us on Spotify.